Just a couple throws that he'd like to have back. Kevin Stefanski's going for the knockout punch, fourth and inches. Good evening and welcome to the fourth and inches podcast with your hosts, Stuart Love, Sukti Puni, Ryan Edwardson, and Alex Grazier. everybody and welcome to this special edition of the fourth and inches podcast this is the first in our state of the franchise series where we take a look at each and every nfl franchise through the eyes of the people who matter the most it's you guys the fans we're gonna roughly work our way through the nfl in draft order which of course means this initial edition is centered around every uk-based nfl fans second favorite team It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I've got a couple of Jags fans joining me today to take a deeper look into the past, present and future of their franchise. So let's meet our guests. First, it's a man so shrouded in mystery that even he's forgotten what his real name is. And that's why we simply refer to him as the man, the myth, the teal wearing legend. It's Brit Jag. Brit Jag, thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm really good, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. No, it's our pleasure. And alongside Brit Jag is a man that I know from the social media stalking I did just before the show, is a rugby-loving man from the North who's been to New Zealand at least once, which makes him a better-looking version of me. It's Reese Layton. Reese, does my Facebook stalking sum you up quite nicely? Uh, yeah, not far off. It's- into interval sports, um, uh, but yeah, you, you write about New Zealand and definitely write about there being the better looking version of the two, but yeah, thanks for having me on. And mute, there we go. Well, <laughs> I've gathered you both here for one reason, it's because to the great pleasure, pleasure of Shad Khan, Roger Goodell and everybody else at the NFL UK international offices, you guys are Jacksonville Jaguars fans. So Brit Jag, what was it that's attracted you to the Jaguars? The UK relationship with the Jags definitely played a massive part in it. The fact that they were, it wasn't just the games, they were involved in like events over here and like the past couple of years they've, they've held draft picks from London um, and just, yeah, just that it was kind of the closest thing I could have to a, a British team. So that and kind of when I got into them, they were kind of building, it was the 2017 season, very young, hungry roster, um, and yeah, that's cause yeah. I, I did that was it. They kind of sold themselves to me, really, and that was just kind of went from there. Oh, I think that makes sense. Reese, how did you become a fan of an American football team from Florida? Um, well, I started getting into American football just from playing Madden as a kid. Like I remember, I used to play Madden on my phone on against my mates on Bluetooth in the in in locker rooms at school. Um, so I always had, always enjoyed the sport, but I never really had a team. Uh, and then I met a couple of friends that were into the NFL, and my first game was the Jaguars versus the Eagles at Wembley a couple of years ago when I decided I would be a fan of one of those teams. Like that was kind of when uh, I thought, right, I need to pick a team now. And I hated the Eagles fans so much that I decided to become a Jacksonville fan on that day. Um, so that, that's kind of why. But also in terms, of, in terms of going forward, you know, having the London games has obviously been a big advantage of that because you get to see your team at least hopefully 
once a year or we have done. Um, but let's see what happens in the future. But I've been stuck with the Jags ever since then. I have very vivid memories of very similar incidents at that uh, Jags-Eagles game and coming away with not not the best uh, attitude towards the Eagles fans that were sat just behind us. <laughs> I was standing up in, in a Jags shirt because I, I do consider them to be my second team. Uh, I know that's kind of sacrilegious to a, a few people, but I, I figure you can't get much more opposite than Seattle and Jacksonville, like geographically, weather, culture, all that sort of stuff. It's very different. Um, and they're, one, they're my wife's team as well, as I was telling you guys before. She she picks the underdog. So when, when I took her to watch the NFL for the first time, she was right up for supporting the Jags. Uh, in fact, I'm going to wear my, my Jags foam hat for the rest of this, I think. Get, get, in the, get in the groove with the rest of you guys. Um, so let's talk about the Jags. And I think we have to start by looking back at last season first and let's get all the bad stuff out of the way. Technically not the worst team in any category. Fourth worst offense, second worst defense in the league, but the worst, re- <laughs> the worst record, one and 15. It's not the Cleveland Browns from a few years ago, but it's, it's still pretty horrendous. Reese, how hard was it to be a Jags fan last year? Um, it was frustrating because especially after the first game when we beat the Colts and we played so well and then only just losing out to the Titans in week two. Um, and I kept having to go to my mate saying, that I think, you know, I think this team's better than the record looks. And But as the season went on, um, I was more looking towards that number one draft pick uh, as we're going on forward. So especially when the, when the Jets decided to make win for us, that was a, a good point in the season. But I think my main point from last season was we had a really young roster last year. We've still got some fantastic talent in the in sort of really key positions. You DJ Sharks, Josh Allen, uh, Kalon Chase and started to really pressure the quarterbacks was in the season last year. You know, we've got some really good young talent. So if the team starts to build properly, we could really start using the building blocks, obviously now from Trevor Lawrence, um, and move forward from there. But yeah, last season started well in week one, progressively got worse, but we came close to some very big teams that actually got into the playoffs. You know, we only just lost to the Packers, we only just lost to the Browns. So if we can keep those young players and build around them, we've got a really good model for the future. No, I, I think you're right. I don't think it was as bad as 1-15 and 15 sounds, but Britt Jag, were you surprised that it ended up at one and fifteen going into the season. Did you have higher hopes than that? Yeah, I mean, I, I was certainly hoped we would have kind of won more than one game. And like I say, the performance in week one kind of gave us the hope that it would be doable. And and as we said, then going into week two, it was literally right at the death that we only just lost to the Titans. And I think it was we kind of all came. Crashing down to earth with the the week three loss to the Dolphins um, on Thursday night football, um, and it really kind of exploited, like showed, and where we were being exploited, and and how young and inexperienced our roster was, and the lack of depth. That I think that was a big part of it, especially on defense. Um, but uh, massive positives as well. Like I say, J- James Robinson was real, like shining light and, and a massive positive, and. DJ Chark, LaVisca Chanel, there's, there's definitely a lot of, there was a lot of talent on show. It just wasn't, it wasn't clicking. And yeah, had things gone differently, we, we could have quite easily snuck another two or three wins off of that schedule. But no, in, in the end, I think it was definitely, it, I'm glad we didn't now, given our current situation. That Dolphins game 
absolutely awful as well because it was our only you know, Jaguars. We're not really exactly liked by the media. We only get one prime time game a season, and to stay up till one, you know, go to sleep and wake up at one o'clock in the morning to watch that awful game was definitely a low point in the season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was that wasn't fun. Well, I, yeah, it was not the best, not the best season for you guys as fans, and you you could see, I think, at, at some points people were starting to throw the towel in, I think, and look towards the NFL draft that's just happened, look towards maybe securing that number one pick. A bit of a race with the the Jets, as you said, to see who could secure that. And with it, a whole new coaching team as well. So, I mean, it is the big positive of the NFL that you can be the worst team last year and be the best team this year. I mean, not, not many do it, but it is entirely possible, especially with a, a team that is as young and hungry as the, the Jags are. But, Brit Jack, surely there's some renewed optimism with Urban Meyer at the helm now? Absolutely. And I think with his college background, I mean, I don't think you could be coming into a better situation with such a young roster and with players so freshly out of college. It, on paper, it looks like a match made in heaven. Now, obviously, we know that moving from college to the NFL doesn't always isn't always a, a smooth transition, but so far there's nothing that's kind of any there's no alarm bells ringing so far um so yeah it's surely definitely a lot more surely tim tebow is an alarm well we? yeah, yeah. <laughs> other, other than tim tebow yeah but <laughs> i think i was going to call him the elephant in the room uh so <laughs> I, I, I yeah i mean reese did you know much about urban meyer before he he came on board uh, honestly, no. So, obviously, really, only really getting into the NFL for the past three or four seasons. Um, I heard of Urban Meyer's name, but obviously, when he was, he's been, he's been linked for the Jags for quite a considerable amount of time. Um, I have, I would share that sort of nervousness about him not being in the NFL before. There's plenty of coaches that have had an amazing record in college that haven't done so well in the NFL. But it's not like Urban Meyer's been a one-hit wonder. You know, he's done great, uh, obviously, at Ohio State most recently. And like Britt Jag says, we have, I think we've got the fourth or fifth youngest roster in the NFL. Um, you know, he's used to working with that younger guys. It's whether he can get used to obviously coaching as more senior players as well that we have in the team. Um, but I think it's a definitely better head coaching and coaching team that we had in place previously. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, it's not just about the one man. It's all about the team that comes in. And I mean, as a Seahawks fan, I can see you've got Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer, two ex-Seahawks coaches in there. Um I'm assuming they're going to be there to pave the way and help bridge that gap for Urban between the NFL and college. Are you happy with the the team that he's putting together at the moment, Britt Jag? Yeah, I think so. He's he seems to spend a lot of time with his uh, coaching staff and and as you mentioned, like the likes of Bevel and Joe Cullen from the uh, Ravens for, on defense. They're all coaches that have NFL experience and have yeah and I think they're going to all bring the be that kind of voice in his ear it, I mean he talked about it a lot with the, in the run-ups of the draft how um he needed a lot of advice and it kind of he was getting carried away with just who who he was considering and the kind of value and and that kind of thing so there obviously is going to be a learning curve with the NFL but yeah I'm pretty happy with the the kind of names he's brought in around him so yeah I think considering what Urban Meyer really brings is, is something that Jacksonville's not probably not had for quite a while. And it's just a winning pedigree. You've, you've brought in some coaches previously that 
you know, that they've usually been quite young and inexperienced. And it's something that the Red Jags probably haven't had for a while is an experienced hand in this head coach position. I know they've had them in other positions across, across the team, but it's, do you think he, that's what he's going to really push onto these young players is I know how to win, follow me, kind of similar to what Pete Carroll did at, at the Seahawks at the beginning. Reese, do you think he's going to bring that sort of energy across? Certainly. I think over my biggest learning curve was the draft. He'd never had to do anything like that before. You know, in college, he could just take any of the best players across. You know, he worked for some of, worked some of the biggest colleges uh, across the States. And that was his biggest learning curve. Now he's in his sweet spot. He's got his team. He's got the, the players that he wanted and the talent that he wanted. Now it's down to that pedigree that he's got of coaching this young team. And like I said before, if you've got the fourth or fifth youngest roster in the in the league, that's surely over my sweet spot um, in terms of moving the team forward. And like you said, the coaching team around is fantastic. I think Joe Cullen is probably the best one out of the lot in terms of the coaching staff additions uh, and moving to that, that multi-3-4-4-3 defence that Joe Cullen uses and hopefully he can bring back Saxonville. Um, but obviously, it all leads from the top of the Maya. This should be his sweet spot now for taking this young team forward. Well, you mentioned the draft. And, and don't forget as well, Trevor Lawrence is a winner. Sorry, sorry, I took a second. Don't forget, Trevor Lawrence is a winner as well. He's only lost, what, was it four games or two games, I think, at the college. So he's a winner. Urban Meyer's a winner. On paper, it sounds great. <laughs> on paper on paper everybody's team sounds great at the moment but i think i i share you your guys optimism i think this is a good a good position for the jags to be in it's another rebuild but I mean, you you could be in a worse position for a rebuild you could be in detroit for one um but let's let's segue into the draft because you guys have mentioned it a couple of times i'm assuming you guys were happy reese were you happy with that draft and number one overall pick it, it was kind of set in stone from about december onwards wasn't it yeah, I think it was. I mean, being a Leeds United fan in the, in the in the football world, I've always had this nervousness about me about teams doing the right thing and make, not making mistakes because obviously Leeds United have ingrained that in me. Um, but no, yeah, obviously Trevor Lawrence obviously was the clear and obvious option, um, and I don't think I don't think we need to say much about that. You know, he was clearly the, the talent. You know, it's been touted for a long time that he would have been the number one pick. Um, I was really interested with Travis Etienne at, at number twenty-five. Um, I thought he would have been around two pick for us. I thought we would have gone Trayvon Morig at that position, but obviously something wasn't right with Morig because he fell quite far uh, in the draft from a lot of mock drafts. But I think overall, but I'm I'm not an analyzer. I trust I trust they know what they're doing more than I do. And um, I'm really excited to see. So I'm I am excited about Trevor Setiano especially because I know there was a lot of people saying that this is unfair on James Robinson, but it's not. This compliments James Robinson. James Robinson is that power back that can be elusive, but it's also that running. Um, that blocker for the running for the running back position as well. Travis Etienne, he's already been lined up in the slot already. Urban Meyer had Curtis Samuel, who was a running back, changed him into the slot receiver, and now he's one of the best five receivers in the league, and he was the highest five receiver touted in the free agency this season. So, you know, I think I'm excited to see what Travis Etienne can be come, and I just hope that Trevor Lawrence lives up to the, the billing. Um, and there's some other good players on the roster as well, but let's let's see what happens. Yeah, it is a big bill in that number one overall pick. There's, there's been as many failures as there has successes over the past few years. Britt Jag, I'm, I'm assuming, obviously, the number one was a slam dunk. You, you, do you share Reese's optimism about Travis Etienne at, down in that first round? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think he's, he's a very interesting player. I think uh, Urban is going to use him. I suppose in a very unique way. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's been brought in as a running back as such. 
um as we said like like it's obviously been in rookie um training camp he's been uh, practicing solely as a wide receiver i mean that, that's probably there's two reasons behind that obviously one is that trevor is still recovering from his shoulder uh surgery and he's not handing off so it would be pointless to kind of have him running uh, running back drills so it may as well try and do something that he's not as experienced with but i am really excited to see what they do with him because i think it could be especially with a player like the discussion as well who's very um he's got a very wide skill set and can be used in a, a variety of ways and we started to see him in a few kind of trick trick play situations last year and now with Etienne in as well i think it could be a very similar situation as well, just in the build-up to the draft, Irmaier kept saying one thing constantly. It was about speed. He wanted everyone to play as fast as possible. And I think that kind of builds up to why they wanted Travis Etienne at that pick. I think they, I think they wanted, um, I can't remember his name now, sorry, the wide receiver that the Giants got. That's the one that they wanted. And that's the one that Urban Meyer said they were gutted to miss out on. But throughout the lead into the draft, it was all about speed. And if that's what Travis, uh, if that's what Evan Meyer wants, he's got that in Travis Etienne. So let's hope he can just mould him to something that he wants. But like you say, if he's wanting the slot, it's competition with Lavis Christian. See, I thought he was amazing last year, and I think he's got a, a really high ceiling. That's quite interesting. You say that, yeah, maybe they've gone for Etienne as the next best offensive weapon they could find on the board because I think it was Tony, Tony Kadarius Tony that the Giants grabbed. And because one of our colleagues, Nick, is quite excited about Kadarius Tony, I've got no idea who he is, so we'll see how that one goes on. Um, <laughs> but if that's the mark that they want to make and they they want to back Trevor Lawrence, then putting Travis Etienne in there makes sense. I think I said it previously. You look at some of the best offensive teams in the NFL at the moment, they don't have one running back. They've got two that they can hit you with. So why not stack up? two of the best ones. If James Robinson continues, great. If Travis Etienne compliments him, even better. I mean, and then you've got DJ Chark, who, okay, he had a down season last season, but so did the entire team. The season before that, he looked amazing. You've brought in Marvin Jones Jr. as He is literally, to me, the definition of a number two wide receiver, exactly what you want. He's consistent. He'll get the ball when you need it. Is there anybody else? I mean, you, you mentioned LaVisca Chenault. To me, Reese, that, that is a pretty stacked fantasy team. If you had that on your, <laughs> if you drafted that, I'd be quite happy with that. No, I'm really happy with that as a, a one, two, three. And obviously then if you put in Etienne there as well, now and then, but also Colin Johnson, the sixth round pick last year, I think it was in Texas or one of the Texas colleges. You know, he's got a couple of touchdowns last year. And I think he's, he's quite a tall guy. He's six foot six. And he, you know, he's a really good target to hit, especially in the end zone. So, you know, we've got options there as well. So it may not be the, Starstruck wide receiving call that some teams desire and want, but I think there's a in terms of talent and, and high ceilings for progression with that leadership of Mar Marvin Jones. I think the wide receiving call is is probably in its best position it's been for quite a while. Richard, how about you? Have you got any any sneaky shouts for a, an offensive show in from somebody we're not expecting? Um, very much like Reese, I'm really excited for Colin Johnson. I really liked a lot of the stuff I saw from him last year. Um, very fast for a guy of his size um and to be honest he's, he's more built like a tight end and i know there's a lot of talk about people saying oh, are they gonna kind of morph him into a tight end and and obviously that remains to be seen but yeah no i i, I think i'm expecting a big year from him this year um uh, but yeah as a, as a whole that's i think that's that's my kind of uh, the player i'm looking forward to seeing most I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't get kind of too pushed aside 
because I think he does have a lot of potential. And I, I just, having followed the Jags for a few years, I've, I've seen us kind of waste a, a fair bit of talent. And I hope that doesn't uh, carry on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you mentioned the tight end. The tight end is probably the only the only slot you've not really got, you know, starred up at the moment. You mentioned Tebow before. Any over and over under three snaps. That's what I'm giving him. Over under three snaps. I don't think he even makes. I don't think he makes he it there. No, he's he's no, he's there for competition. He's there because Urban knows him. I think, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I think they're actually neighbours, Urban and, and Tim Tebow. So yeah, it maybe Urban just needs a ride to work. It's fine. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, couple. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't see him. I don't. I don't understand how a player can come into after being out of the NFL for as long as he has and just come straight back in. But not only that, learn a completely new position. No, it's. I just don't see it. No. The tight um, end is where we need to address that. I think that's our big hole in our offense at the moment. I mean, if we release Tyler Eifert, we have got we re-signed James O'Shaughnessy, but he has barely had a full season of sixteen games. Now, you know, he's barely been fully fit. We got rid of Josh Oliver, and again, I think he's only had two games since he started, since he came as a rookie. Um, and when we saw the, I saw the Eagles trade the other day for the corner, and when I first saw it, I thought, "Oh God, please be Zach Ertz, please be Zach Ertz," and I was quickly, quickly uh, put back on my pedestal. Um, but that that would be my move. I don't know who for, how many picks, or whatever. But if I was going to go out and get someone, Eagles have got a cap problem still, I think. Um, they've got Dallas Goddard. I'd go for Zach Ertz all day. Yeah, I mean Hayden Hurst is currently going to be a backup at Atlanta now as well. So, what about the offensive line? Because I noticed I the, from the the Jags games I watched last year, the thing I noticed the most when he was in there was Minshew running for his life, dancing around the pocket, desperately trying to stay upright. Reese, have you got any concerns on the on the O line? First thing I want to note: Minshew was my first love. As in, like, with oh. the Jaguars, I love Gardner Minshew. I'm kind of sad that journey's over, but Me too. we've now got a guy with a better hairstyle than Minshew's uh, Mississippi mud flap, I think he calls it now. Yeah, it doesn't look good. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the what you when you what what triggered my memory then was um, the touchdown he threw to Carl Armstead in, in Denver in his first season. He had to get out. I think he got away from three. Um, pass rushes and there to score what was an amazing touchdown uh, and that's where I make Tom by the way is a big Denver fan that was a great game when we beat you um, but the O-line it was the only position coach that stayed I believe um, and it was probably one of our weaker areas last year I think it's I think it's been a weak area for a while I think franchising tag franchise tagging Cam Robinson was a sensible choice because the it was a there wasn't many on the market although we did have the cash to throw um, so I'm a bit nervous about it. Walker Little looks like a good addition that hopefully provide a bit of competition at tackle. But again, he didn't play in 2020, and so he's not played for a game as well. So I am a bit nervous about the O-line, but we've still got the experience of Linda and Andrew Norwell. And I want to see the uh, protein boy, Ben Barch, get some uh, more snaps as well, because he looks like he could be a useful addition eventually. Rich, Jack, do you share Reese's optimism? You, you think it's going to be all right on the O-line? Yeah, I think so. I think... Um, we've got Jawan Taylor there, who's quite young. He, he didn't have a good year last year, but I feel, if I remember correctly, the ranking of the the line wasn't all that bad. I think sometimes Minshew made it look a little bit worse than it actually was, because I feel like at times he was he was way too quick to kind of fall back on his scrambling and trying to make a play. 
um, when he, when he, he still had time. And so in some ways, he, he was kind of bringing pressure on himself because he was running out of protection when it wasn't necessary. So I think with the likes of Trevor Lawrence, who is someone who will be able to stand there, also with the height, that's another thing with Minchie obviously being that little bit smaller. I think at times he was he literally struggled to see over the O line, and yeah, I, I think I think Trevor Lawrence will will be okay. Um, it's certainly not a Bengal situation with with Burrow last year. Yeah, if Trevor Lawrence gets sacked a good thirty-two times in eight games, then something something's going to have to change. I think, isn't it? But I mean, the, like I say, the the Jags' offense it seems to me pretty stacked. If you can fill that tight end position, then you know you're going to give most teams a good run for their money. But where the Jags have always made their name has been on defense. You had the big unit; they got you to that AFC title game a few years ago. But I mean, Saxonville's been looking a little bit run down as of late. The big names that built it. You've got Ramsey, Clayes Campbell, Yannick Ngokwe, even Barry Church. They've all gone. I mean, Brett Jack, in, in a league that's built on offense, 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 how difficult is it to get that defense and keep them nowadays? And what do the Jags need to do to get back to being a top five defense? Um, yeah, so I think last year, especially in the earlier games, I felt um, our offense was ticking and it was working quite well. Um, but we were just we were conceding thirty points plus a game, and it doesn't matter how good your offense is; they're going to struggle to match, like to hit that every week, week in, week out in the NFL. And with constantly chasing games, it was we obviously CJ Henderson last year um, showed some promise, but had a fair few injury issues, um, and I think there was has been some questions raised about his attitude. Didn't seem as interested as he potentially could have been. Um, but yeah, so now, and obviously now with, we, we have addressed, we've got uh, Shaq Griffin um, coming in, who I'm, I'm really pleased with. And I, up with Marvin Jones, one of our, our best signings of the off season. I think that's definitely going to help. And the defensive line chase on really progressed to the end part last year. Josh Allen from the year before was, was great. And last year he was, had loads of injuries and missed big chunks of the, the season again. So a big part of it is keeping fit and healthy. And obviously there's only so much you can do to prepare for that, but there's, there's a lot of potential on our, on our defense. If, if we can get everyone firing and I'd still probably say our biggest concern for me is safety. Um, we did address it a little bit in the, in the draft with, with uh, Andre Cisco whether or not that that is going to be sufficient, I don't know because I feel like that was our was a big weakness for us last year, and I suppose we'll see. Really, it's just a matter of time now. Yeah, I mean that secondary improvement, getting getting Shaq Griffin in as a Seahawks fan. I've, I've obviously followed Shaq for a, a, a good few years. He's he's very much on the cusp of being a great player, and every now and again he drops in and out of it. That could easily just be because. The rest of our defense has been pretty shaky for the last few years as well. But Reese, how important is it to Jags fans to have a defense that makes a mark on the game? I love defense. You know, I mean, being a, a rugby player and being a forward in rugby, I love nothing more than 
hitting someone hard and I don't score many tries when I play rugby but I get more of a thrill about making that big hit and it was kind of the attraction with Jacksonville as well because when I became a fan of him we had those players in Yannick Ngakwe, Calais Campbell um, and obviously we, we, we just signed Josh Allen in the draft um, as well as us really starting to get in there. I mean just to reiterate what Britton Jack said really you know the, the defence was awful last year there was no way there's, there's no really hiding from that um, we were nowhere near earning the title of Saxonville. We barely got any pressure on the QB at all, and especially in the um, a defensive tackle as well. So we lost that from training Calais to the Ravens, um, and the secondary was awful. I think the only shining light really was uh, Joe Schobert and Miles Jack. And Miles Jack really had a fantastic season last year, I thought. And I think that linebacking core can be, you know, one of the best in the league. Um, and I believe, I can't remember his name, I think the linebacking coach Charlie Strong is really highly rated as well. Um, so I'm, I'm really hopeful that we can start to earn that title back again. And as I mentioned earlier, Joe Cullen, I'm really excited about him to have that multi-front defence of playing 3-4, 4-3 and just changing it up um, to keep the to keep the offence guessing. And I know we're saying it's about offence at the moment, but defence wins championships. And look at the Super Bowl last year. I know, obviously, the Chiefs had a struggle with their own line, but it was the Bucks' defence that ultimately helped them win that game. Uh, so, yeah, I think I've got, again, optimism for the, the, the defence. You know, Josh Allen had a bit of a quiet year last year. He, he's due a good one, hopefully, this year. Came on chase and really started to prove uh, why he was number one pick to was the end of the season last year. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a big fan. I think Chad Griffin was deciding on the free agency for us. So we're not there yet, but we're in the right direction. I'm definitely in the right direction. I think what you're saying from what you've both already said there is that the linebacking unit to me, you've got Joe Schobert, Josh Allen, Clavion Chase on, Miles Jack. That, that's scary. That's scary for anybody. You know, they're, they're going to come at you. They're going to drop back and, and stop you from hitting those short routes. Uh, Sign Malcolm Brown from New Orleans at nose tackle to shore up the, the front as well. It's, again, it's all very optimistic, which is odd considering I mean you look at some of the other teams that were down around you last season I mean you're looking at Atlanta the Texans the Lions they've none of those teams have had a rejuvenation kind of like the Jags have had and it's it's quite a lot down to that number one pick because the quarterback is the most important player on your team but it's what what are you guys thinking in terms of in terms of the division, Brit Jag? What what do you think Urban Meyer's aim will be coming into the season? Is it going to be sneak into a wild card spot, just have a respectable record, or is he going to go all out and try and win this division? Because to me, it's there for the taking. Yeah, that's the, the, with the AFC South, I don't feel like I mean, uh, without. Not want to be disrespectful to Texans, but I really don't see them as much as a threat, especially with all the off-field issues with Deshaun, and we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for them. Um, and obviously, if if he's not there, they don't really have anything else. They've lost JJ Watt, and obviously Hopkins going the year before. So that that for me, Texans are kind of a, almost like a non-starter. Um, the Colts. Obviously, with Carson Wentz going there, that's going to be interesting. I don't... For me, I, after having to face Andrew Luck with them, um, he doesn't kind of strike fear into me like he did. Even to be Philip Rivers when he was coming in. Um, yeah, I, I was I was more concerned, I think, with Philip Rivers than I am Carson Wentz. And 
I don't know if that's because he's so unproven, he's, he's so unpredictable. Um, that given that though, the Colts do have a very good O line, and he will probably be able to play, have a lot more time than he, than he probably did previously. For me, it's the Titans. As much as it pains me to say, it, I think they're probably the the team to beat in our division at the minute. And a big part of that is obviously Derek Henry. But I don't, I don't feel like they've made any major steps forward. That's the thing. I feel like they're they've stagnated. They, they I don't think they've really got the cap space to progress. Um, I don't feel like they've made any big moves in the draft. So whereas we're progressing, we're we're closing the gap on them. So. That's probably as much as I can say at the moment. Um, but I don't see any of the teams in our division as unbeatable or, uh, or that major threat. Um, so, yeah, I, I think go for it. I think the AFC South is there for the taking. It's not like we're competing against the likes of the Chiefs or Tampa Bay or, or something like that. It's they're, they're all very beatable. No, I think I, I agree with you. I mean, the Colts are going to be completely up in the air. It depends which Carson Wentz turns up from, from which year. To me, the Titans, they've lost their offensive coordinator. They've lost uh, Jono Smith, who kind of helped grease the wheels of the offense. I, I can still obviously see them being up there, but it, it it's going to be there. I really think it's going to be there. Reese, what do you think? Yeah, I really think it's up for the taking. It's, it's, it's going to be a competitive division for three of the teams. Um, sorry, Texans fans, but... And I really do feel sorry for you in a way, not much. But, you know, I can't see the Texans being anywhere near it. But I think between the Colts, the Titans and the Jags, I think it's I think it's there for the taking. Uh, and like you said, it depends which Carson Wentz turns up for the Colts. Um, he may be rejuvenated at a team. We've seen that many a time. Uh, like Ryan Tannehill, for example, he was a new quarterback when he moved to the Titans. Jags need to learn how to tackle Derek Henry because we seem to just like conceding 90 plus yard touchdowns when Derek Henry has the ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, and with our defense, are we strong enough yet to win the division? I don't know. I think our offense could be. My and if we if our defense does improve, it's definitely up for the taking between those three teams. And I think it's going to be quite a good competition to watch. It's going to be a close run thing. Um, but in terms of where I want us to be, I want a winning record. If we win, if we have a season. And, you know, we can't have a 500, 0.500 record anymore. Now it's 17 games. So yeah. I want a winning record. If we get a winning record, that's definitely better than 115. Definitely better than 115. I think I think you're right. I think in the AFC South, the Jags have probably taken the, the biggest step forward. But is it enough to catch up with where the Colts and the, the Titans are or were? It's like, like we say, every year in this league is different. Somebody turns up, somebody doesn't. Obviously, the, the big news for the UK fans is that the Jags will be coming across to London in October. Reese, Brit Jag, are you going to be trying to get down to Tottenham to, to watch them play the Dolphins? Hotel's booked. <laughs> so, nice and optimistic, uh, that's good. So with our, with our mates that we go down every year, um, if we can't get tickets, we'll go for the weekend. Um, I'm actually quite excited about the Tottenham Stadium. I didn't go to the games when they were there. Uh, two seasons ago, it looks like an, an epic stadium to go to. It is. Um, so hopefully, uh, hopefully get tickets. But either way, I will be in London that weekend. It still pains me to say as an Arsenal fan, but it's it's a very epic stadium. It's very nice, <laughs> very nice indeed. Uh, Brit Jag, are you looking to try and score some tickets for Tottenham? Yeah, definitely. Um, as I said before, it's it's a big big plus of the Jags and their UK relationship and. 
like I say, deep down, I'm still, I'm still hopeful for the potential Wembley deal that keeps getting discussed. And I mean, the fact we had a, a draft pick from Wembley, I feel like is probably a big indicator. I don't know why you'd hold it there if there was no intention of kind of continuing that relationship. It, why not use Tottenham or anywhere else in London? But yeah, um, I'll, I'll miss Wembley because, like I said, it's kind of see us our home away from home, I suppose. But yeah, I'm excited to watch a game at the uh, the Tottenham Stadium. And I did the NFL tour uh, when it was set up with the locker rooms and things like that. So that that and yeah, it it looks perfectly set up for an NFL game. So excited! Yeah, it's it is a very very good stadium. I mean, I've done a I've done a tour around Tottenham. I've done a tour around Wembley and the just the space that you get in in Tottenham. You can see they purpose built it. They they're going to be using that for years to come. So. You know, well, we just have to get used to it, I'm afraid. But guys, is there anything else? Is there anything that me as a naive non-Jags NFC fan that has completely missed off the page that we should be looking out for for the Jags in this upcoming season? No, good. I've done my job. Just, it's great. Just, just, a win, just a winning record, mate. Just a winning record. <laughs> I'm very, very hopeful. I generally, I generally think, you know, we haven't had many winning records in our career and we've gone through numerous quarterbacks uh, in the last sort of 10 years, going from David Garrard and Lefwich, uh, Blake Bortles and Minshew and everyone else. You know, a winning record is to come. I generally, I generally do believe that, although I do say that every year. And, uh, <laughs> I think of, of, of any of the years that I've said that, I think this year is the one that, yeah, you'll probably get shortest odds on it this year. Yeah, we we could we could surprise a couple of people this year. We could we could go a long way. I don't know. I don't want to be over optimistic, but um, we're definitely on the up, and I mean, we'll actually be a team to talk about. Well, that's it. Goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. It's like yes, the Jags were one and fifteen, but you had I think you had six or seven games that you lost by one score, including against teams like the Packers, and they, you were in those games. You just weren't quite there, and then. You could see halfway through the season they were like, okay, now let's just let's get this franchise quarterback in. That's what's going to take us to the next level. I mean, Brit Jag, what what are you feeling? You've you've got to be feeling super optimistic now. Yeah, absolutely. Um with after years and years of like kind of just kind of floating, obviously 2017 was a real out of out of the blue. It wasn't expected to get into the, the, the championship game. And I feel like going forward now. I don't feel like it's going to be such a surprise. I feel like we're really building a franchise that's going to be at the top end and making the playoffs year after year after year for, for successive seasons. And and like I say, I, I don't think that will come as a shock. And I'm not saying that will be this year. I'm not even saying necessarily it will be next year. But as we said, if we can get a winning, a winning record, I'll be, I'll be absolutely over the moon. To see the Jags win nine games a year, that'll be like heaven. <laughs> and it'll just make Mondays much more bearable. Um, but yeah, and we're just going in the right direction. It feels like we are finally actually going to be at that kind of top table um, and and stay there. And yeah, that's 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 kind of what I'm looking forward to the most: just being a regular competitor and being in the conversation. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's just it's going to be um, just keeping yourselves there. I think, isn't it? Like you've got all the tools if you can get yourselves there. We'll go out as we should do. It's the middle of the off-season. We're about 10 months away from the Super Bowl. Brit Jag, who's going to be in the Super Bowl? 
Wow. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I I really kind of expecting the Chiefs to go again. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to see to see past that. I can't say. I I genuinely don't. I can't. I can't. I wouldn't be surprised with a rematch from last year because no. those those two teams have just stayed so consistent, so consistent. Reese, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I generally uh, exactly what you say. I wouldn't be surprised to repeat of like the, the last Super Bowl. You know, Tampa brought I think brought back every player of that Super Bowl winning team, yeah. including playoff, playoff Lally. Oh um, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so I, I NFC wise, I don't think there is a team as strong as Tampa. You know, Green Bay with the whole Aaron Rodgers scenario. Um, they were probably their closest competition. Um, AFC, I don't know. Uh, I kind of secretly hope the Browns do something. I mean, they very nearly beat the Chiefs last year. They should have yeah. won that game. So I mean, they should have really beaten them with Chad Henry, but you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I kind of secretly hope the Browns can do something because I think they've got a, they're an exciting team to watch. Um, but again, you know, the Chiefs have really secured the O line. If they can keep the O line fit, you know, Mahomes has still got the talent, and he's still got his talented players around him. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's exactly the key. I think they went into this off season with that as their weakest position, and then suddenly it's their strongest again. It's very, very annoying to see dynasties get built in cities far away from yourselves. But guys, thank you very much for joining us today. I hope it's got you hyped for next season, or not too hyped. We still got another sixteen weeks to get to get through. Jags fans, make sure you're checking out Brit Jag, his podcast, his Facebook, his Twitter. Brit Jag, are we just we're just at Brit Jag, I'm guessing on Twitter. Uh yeah, at Brit Jag um on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Reese, where can people find your NFL thoughts and feelings? Um it's it's on my Twitter. Um and I, I'm trying to even remember what my handle is. Um, but hopefully you'll see me around on more podcasts in the future because it's something I'm looking to get into because NFL is a fan, yeah, I think it's a great sport. It's got a little bit of everything, it's a unique system. Um and obviously, it's going to have a winning Jaguars franchise for years to come to watch, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But yeah, just find me on Twitter, R late in 94, um, and I may have something in the future. Sounds good. Well, you know, you guys are always welcome but to come back on the, the Fourth and Inches Network. We're going to have plenty of content. If any of you fans out there, fans of the Texans, Jets, Falcons, Lions, anybody else, we're going to be recording your State of the Franchise series soon. So get in touch through our Facebook and Twitter at Fourth and Inches. We'll be tagging everybody in this podcast when it's released. Brit Jag Reese, thank you again. I think there's only one way that we can really sign off from a Jags themed podcast, and you both know what it is, is with a nice long duval from the sure two it's of not you. Jay- I I can't listen to that without (laughs) like bending over and cringing terribly. We'll do it. We'll do it on three. I want to do Val on three. Okay, one, two, three. Duval. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers. See you later.